Lights, camera, action. everybody welcome back to the podcast hello so glad to have you guys here with us uh episode one we covered iron man if you haven't listened to that go give it a listen um and today we're going to be covering another great movie um one of my favorite movies pirates of the caribbean curse of the black pearl yes so john do you want me to just jump right into details about the movie yeah let's do it all right so um some details about the film itself it was released June 28th, 2003. That is almost exactly 20 years ago, which is crazy to think about. That makes it older than your sister. Yes. <laughs> um, so the director, I apologize if I mispronounce the name. Is it, say, how, how do you pronounce his first name? It's Gore Verbinski. Oh, it is Gore. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if it, yep. okay. Yeah. Okay. Gore Verbinski. Starring Johnny Depp, Kira Knightley, Orlando Bloom, and Jeffrey Rush. Distributed by Walt Disney Pictures. Runtime of 2 hours and 23 minutes. Rated PG-13. Its budget was $140 million, and it way surpassed that, making $654.3 million. Nice. And this is back in 2003, so, I mean, you count for inflation, probably closer to... Smooth billion. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, um, we're still figuring out the podcast. Obviously, this is only our second episode. Um, we're probably going to stru- structure things similarly, but um, not the exact same. Um, so what are, what are we thinking? Are we going to do uh, fun facts? Sure, I can do a few and yeah. then do some later too, kind of like we did last time. Okay, cool. Okay, so... Let's kind of just bounce some back and forth, because I know you have some, too. So, yes, I do have some, but a lot of mine, I would say, are intertwined in, like, the production details. Oh, so you're going to, like, sprinkle them throughout all we So, I don't know. We'll kind of... I'm just going to wing it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I'll just start then. Okay. So, first one that I have is that Disney thought about releasing this movie just directly to dvd skipping over showing it in the movie theaters um and they also um kind of had a different idea for the actors based on which direction they went because yeah um like one way like if they were going to go the theater route which they ended up doing they were thinking about you know like um johnny depp obviously but then they also another like really strong runner-up was matthew mcconaughey yeah um, but if they went the DVD route, again, I'm probably going to pronounce this name wrong, but they thought about having Jack Sparrow played by, um, Carrie Elwes. Is that how you say his name? I'm pretty Elwes? sure. Yeah. He's a, I mean, people would know him from like, um, oh, the princess bride, I believe. And mm-hmm. I'm blanking on other movies he's in, but yeah. Do you know why Carrie I, it might be elves, elves. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. We're making fools of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Do you uh, know why uh, Carrie was uh, chosen? Or no, no, no. Um, Matthew McConaughey. Why they like he was one of the runner up? No, because Matthew McConaughey closely resembled Burt Lancaster, um, and like Burt Lancaster probably doesn't mean anything to 
people our age. Um, he was an actor back in the old days. Like he was born in 1913, like to give you a uh, perspective, but um, they were thinking Matthew McConaughey because he resembled Burt Lancaster who had been the script's source of inspiration at that point in time. They ended up taking the, the character of Jack Sparrow a very different direction. But at that point in time, they were kind of thinking along those lines. Well, kind of on the same note, there were lots of other actors considered, and I know that John yeah. researched some of this too. Yeah. So I can just, do you want to list them off or do you want me to? Now, let's, let's save some of the other actors for um, the production details when we get there. Okay, okay. Because I've got some of those listed out. Okay, well, um, I also have actors to play Will, so I'll, I'll wait yes. until later, too. No, 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 go ahead and oh, cover do that. Oh, now. Yeah, okay. cover those. Okay, so actors considered to play Will Turner, some of them, like, I, do you know any of these? No, I don't. That's why I want to okay. hear them now, because these? I don't cover it, so I, I'm excited to hear this. One of them, specifically, I could never see, and that is Tobey Maguire. Really? Really. I couldn't see it either. Um, I'm sure he would have done a fine job, but yeah, he's I just a great actor. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't see that happening. And also, would have conflicted with the shoot ske- shooting schedule for Spider Man. Yes. <laughs> so, um, other ones would be Jude Law, Christian okay. Bale, okay, Keith Ledger, Ooh. and Tom Hiddleston. Those are all really good. Out yeah. of those, I probably would have, if I was gonna pick other than Orlando, I probably would have picked either Heath Ledger or um, Tom Hiddleston. Those were my top two, too. Yeah. Christian Bale, Christian Bale would have done a good job. Who was the other one? Uh, Jude Law. Jude Law. He would have done great, too. But, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I did not know that. Okay. So, another one I have. I have a lot about the cast and, like, other alternatives for actors, which I okay. just find really interesting. Yeah, I so, do, too. One other one. Jeffrey Rush, who plays Captain Barbosa, was actually mm. the studio's second choice. Okay. Did you know this? I didn't. Okay. So they originally wanted Robert De Niro, but he turned down their offer because he thought the film was going to flop. <laughs> so. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. I, I don't think I, I don't know. I'm sure De Niro's a phenomenal actor too, but I don't know. Like, I don't think I could see him as Barbosa. Yeah. I don't either. Yeah. Okay. I'll do a couple more and then we can do the rest later. Okay. Um, so next one, Johnny Depp actually, um, after he was cast, he had the idea to model his character off of Keith Richard Richards from the Rolling yes. Stones. Yeah. Um, and he the reasoning was he said that pirates were the quote unquote rock stars of the era. Yeah. And then another fact is that So on, Sorry, sorry. No, you're backwards. good. So on that note, like the inspiration for Jack Sparrow, once Johnny was cast, he took it upon himself to base it upon Keith Richards. Richards. That was not like a studio decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but, well, obviously, Johnny Depp, like, he's a big music guy, too, outside of his acting career. He, like, professionally has toured and plays guitar very well. Um, so that's kind of an interest of his own. but. Not only did he base like his physical appearance somewhat off of Keith Richards, like wearing the eyeliner and like kind of the the um, like having some of the stripes and stuff like that, and some of his uh, like the cloths that are around his waist and whatnot, um, but also um, his accent. Like 
he changed it, but he thought having like a weird accent would go well with the character, which actually took the studio off guard um, during table reads. The, like the very first one, they were not expecting Johnny to have that accent, but they loved it. They thought that it fit the character well, and so they, they ran with it. Hmm. Um, so my last one for now, I have a couple more that we can do later, but um, kind of going off of how the movie like way surpassed like expectations originally lots of people thought this was going to flop just you know going back to because which i didn't know this but this movie was actually based off of the ride at disney john taught me that when we were watching i always thought that the (laughs) ride was based off the movie yeah but they had a different movie based off a ride first and that was so i'll actually I'm going to cover that in the production details. Okay. Maybe we yeah. should talk about what we're going to say before no, we start next This time. way the, the podcast is more authentic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, they, everybody was nervous that this one was going to flop. But um, as I said before, it made $654 million and it was Pirates of the Caribbean was the top movie internationally for seven straight weeks. So it was. Wow. Seven. That's almost two months. Yeah. So not. A flop as it was expected to be you know what let's actually talk about the other flop so yeah go ahead so um, back in um 2002 which was when it was actually 2002 is pretty much when pirates took off in general um and i'll talk about that a little bit more here in a minute but um so pirates of the caribbean as emily said is based off of a ride which was one of Walt Disney's original like ideas for the park. Um, but it was not Disney's first movie that they made based on a ride. It was their second. The first movie that they made was called The Country Bears. Um, that was released in 2002, which was based off of the ride Country Bears Jamboree. Um, and that movie was like a massive flop. Not just bad, like it was a terrible commercial failure, so much so that they were actually... Um, considering never doing a ride-based movie again. Um, but, well, I uh, do you have any more fun facts? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but okay. just a little plug. Yeah. The ride for Pirates is so fun. And I've been on both. I've been to the one in Florida, Walt Disney World, and I've been to the one at Disneyland, and they're both amazing, but... Disneyland is drastically like, different though. Yes. The one in Disneyland is like not even close to the same ride as which I haven't rode it, but I've watched like a ride through video of mm-hmm. it. It's like so different. Yeah, it's it's a lot longer and in my opinion a lot cooler because yeah. Which like, you rode it. Yes, I've ridden it. Yeah. Well, you've rode both. Yes, I've rode both. But that's like one cuz I've been to Disney World a lot and I that's one that I have to go on every time. Like, mm-hmm. it's so fun. I've only been to Disneyland once, though. But yeah. So on that great. note, um, the original ride, like it had tropes that were kind of included in the movie, like the dog with the keys and everything. But the movie was so successful that they actually updated the ride like several times over to make it closer to the movie. So that's um, why, like. A lot of the animatronics look yeah. like Johnny Depp and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And they even like when you enter the waterfall, they have like a screen projection of Davy Jones mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, 
just to get it closer to the movies because they've been so successful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. Well, then let's jump into production details because kind of what I was talking about with like the Country Bears ties directly into like kind of my first two points. So um, an idea for a Pirates of the Caribbean movie had been kind of tossed around since the early 90s. Um, there were several scripts that were written, tossed out, scrapped, rewritten, all the way up until 2002 when they finally had a really solid script. It was presented and the project got greenlit. Um, shortly after, uh, director Gore Verbinski signed on, except they had one major problem, which was what I was talking about earlier. The Country Bears, based on the Country Bear Jamboree ride, was a massive flop. So much so that um, Michael Eisner, who at the time was the CEO of Disney, um, had basically said, we are going to cancel all further ride-based films, including Pirates of the Caribbean. So that was not something that I knew beforehand, that Pirates of the Caribbean actually was very close to not being made. Mm -hmm. Um, But the director, Gore Verbinski, caught wind of this news and essentially told his concept artist, hey, we're going to keep working. Uh, you know, until he actually comes to us and says it, we're not going to stop. So concept artists kept working on everything and it paid off. Um, Eisner showed up and when he visited the studio, saw what the concept artists had come up with and kind of when paired with the script, he loved everything. Um, so he said, we're going to go ahead. We're going to keep everything. But <laughs> he had he had one problem. Um, So actually two things. He had one problem and he had one like footnote or like feedback. Um, He asked Gore, he said, why does the movie have to be so expensive? Why is the budget so high? And Gore Verbinski told him, because your competition is spending 150 million, which what'd you say the budget was? 140. Okay. So yeah, right there with all the competition. And at the time, like he was referring to movies like The Lord of the Rings and The Matrix, um, who had been like massive box off box office uh successes uh and that's what disney was trying to compete with so eisner approved um but he had one footnote well a little bit of feedback he said that due to the country bears uh commercial flop he wanted pirates to take out um like their overt or their direct references to the ride um with the exception of uh, really the only thing that's still included in there is the dog with the keys and like mm-hmm. the the prisoners trying to get him to come over to him other than that he wanted everything else to be taken out that way the movie could stand on its own and not necessarily be thought of as a ride movie um so for example there was a cut scene of um Jack and Will when they're going to the cave uh, where all the Aztec gold is and everything that originally was going to be like there was going to be a waterfall and they had to go through a waterfall just just hmm. like the ride. But anyways, so um, they have a script. Eisner approves. The movie's not getting canceled. They're moving forward and they start the casting process. So you already talked about Orlando Bloom and everything. Mm-hmm. Did you know originally that he was supposed to be the lead role, the lead character in that movie or in the Pirates series? I did not. I mean, he still kind of is. Like, him mm-hmm. and Kiera Knightley together are like a role in and of themselves, um, as well as Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow. But originally, um, Jack Sparrow was not supposed to have a prominent role in the movie. He was not supposed to be a leading man. Interesting. No, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, so he was like, uh, like he was present. He was part of the group, and he was like more important than all the side characters. But they really only wanted him to be just kind of like a more like comedy relief, just hmm. kind of like a like he's kind of gonna be a goofy side character who will lighten the mood, but he's not the leading man. So some of the names tossed around in the early casting process was you said Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. They also uh, were considering Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. um, Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. and, and the most surprising one of all. Yeah, and the <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the most surprising one of all is Christopher Walken. <laughs> Can you imagine Captain Jack Sparrow as as uh, Jack Sparrow? <laughs> Oh, Christopher Walken. Oh, my gosh. I I cannot believe that that was considered. No, me either. I I can't even picture it. Honestly, I don't think that... I mean, who knows? They might have been able to make it work, but I really don't think without Johnny, the movies would have been such a success. I'm thankful for the direction they took it in. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So... Johnny got cast, and we kind of talked about like basing his role off of Keith Richards and everything. But uh, I love that; thought that was super interesting. Um, so from there, uh, production details we got: principal photography began on October 9th, two thousand two, and they wrapped uh, shooting on March seventh, two thousand and three. So really tight schedule. Um, they only had about five months to shoot the whole movie, which is insane if you think about it. Yeah. Um. Most of the filming was done on the island of St. Vincent in the Caribbean. So they were actually in the Caribbean um, shooting the movie. Um, And they chose the island of St. Vincent because it was the quietest island they could find. Um, So you have a beach or island where they're shooting all the land scenes. And uh, the crew took time to build like all of Port Royal that you see. They actually built that. Um, that was a real set piece on the beach in the Caribbean. Um, they also took time to build ships. <laughs> um, so you have the Black Pearl, the Dauntless, and the Interceptor. Those are the three main ships of the movie, the Black Pearl being the pirate ship, the Dauntless, um, and the Interceptor being ships of the Royal Navy. Um, the Dauntless is, the, according to the movie and characters in the movie, it is the pride of the Royal Navy. It's like their, their most notable ship. And the Interceptor is the Royal Navy's fastest ship. Um, so the Black, the Black Pearl and the Dauntless were both built on top of a barge. So, you know, like, have you seen a barge before? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so like a really, really big flat ship. Um, those ships were built on top of that, um, with the exception of like kind of the middle chunk of the ship was not there. Um, so it's actually, if you Google it, yeah, take time to Google it, listeners, audience, um, what like the ships looked like, because it it looks really cool sitting on top of the barge. There's just this gigantic hole, um, where you can see the barge, but everything on top of it is legit. It's a real ship. Um, And so, obviously, all those holes were replaced with CGI to give a convincing ship. However, the Interceptor was 100% a real floating sailing ship on its own. That's cool. Yeah, so it's actually, it's a replica of uh, the Lady Washington, which is like an old-timey, 
a naval ship back in the day. Um, so they, the production, I don't know if they bought one or they rented one. It didn't say, but they got a lady Washington and they, um, they like repainted it to make it look like how they wanted. Um, and then like restored it to how it was after the movie was over. But, um, the majority of the ship filming was done on a dock that the crew built in St. Vincent. Um, but they did take all three ships out to open sea for a total of six, six days. Um, so then this is like a little bit on the post-production side of things. But um, due to the super tight and short filming schedule, Industrial Lights and Magic, or otherwise known as ILM, um, started visual working effects immediately. Or visual effects work, sorry. They started visual effects work immediately. So pretty much as, so- as soon as the movie was announced, greenlit, Eisner said, we're going to stay with it. We're not canceling it. And they started principal photography. Uh, ILM started doing all the CGI shots because they only had five months and the movie was releasing the next year. Um, so quick question. Are, do you know what ILM is? No. Do they just do CGI and things? So they do. Um Total sidebar here, but ILM is the production company that George Lucas founded when he was making the original Star Wars. Oh. Yeah, so the very first Star Wars movie, um, obviously known for how it completely changed the visual effects industry um, because it did stuff that no other movie was doing at the time. That was all done by uh, George Lucas, who created ILM, um, and then later... Like ILM was so successful after all the Star Wars movies that they were kind of the industry standard for visual effects. And then when Jurassic Park rolled around, which we'll be talking about that movie next episode, Mm -hmm. um, they were the first production company to ever use computer generated images in a convincing way. There was a movie before that. I think it was called Lawnmower Man. Um, Terrible movie. (laughs) Not heard of um, it. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, uh, they were the first ones to do it convincingly. And uh, so they then became the industry standard for CGI. So just a little fun fact there. But ILM started visual effects work on the movie immediately. Um, in order to complete the CGI shots, they, this is ILM, they informed uh, Gore Verbinski, the director, that every scene they shot that would be including uh, like the skeletons um, would have to be shot twice. They would shoot it first with the actors. Um, They would have them in camera so that they could have a reference plate and then they would shoot the scene again without any of the actors so that they could replace them all with the CGI skeletons. Um, Then they actually had to have all the actors on a soundstage perform the scenes again so that they could have them in motion capture suits. Um, So the actors had to, the the scene had to be shot three times and the actors had to perform it twice. Um, And in total, ILM had to work on over, before I reveal, what would you guess? How many visual effects shots would you guess are in the movie? Visual effects shots? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure a ton. I don't, I don't even know. I feel like it'd be astronomically high. Take a guess. Just like shots, like individual shots. Yeah. Like, like how many, um, how many shots that they had to work on? Uh, in the hundreds. Yes. Hundreds. You guess in 200? Yeah. Or more. 
they had over 600 VFX shots. Wow. And of the 600 VFX shots, 250 of them were dedicated to purely removing sailboats that were in the background. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Because obviously, like, if you're shooting in public, you can close a street or something like that, but you Mm -hmm. can't close Close the the ocean. ocean. (laughs) (laughs) So there were, you know, random sailboats out. And so they had over 250 shots that they were just painting them out. Interesting. Yeah. So that's all I have for production details. Um, Any more fun facts you want to cover? Sure. I have, well, one of them you kind of stole, but it's okay. So the one that you stole was just that the movie, parts of the movie was actually filmed. Sorry. Parts of the movie were actually filmed in the Caribbean. So um, one thing that I will add to that, though, since you already said that part, Mm -hmm. was they had to take boats there, obviously, um, to film. Yeah. And during a night shoot, one ship that was carrying one boat that they were taking out was carrying Kira Knightley and her mom. It hit a reef on their way there and oh, sank. No. So wow. no one was injured, but they were stranded for several hours oh, wow. until somebody could come to get them. Wow. Um, so from that point on, they shot all of the night scenes in a studio instead of on the islands. Yeah. Um, so that one. And then the second one was that. Um, Verbinski actually did not like the title curse, like the subtitle curse of the black pearl really because it wasn't the black pearl that was cursed. It was the Aztec gold. True. Um, ultimately, obviously he went along with it because that's the name of the movie, but he asked that, that the title be obscured on like any movie posters. Really? Yeah. Huh. I did not know that. Yeah. That's all I got. Okay, cool. Well, um, we can kind of jump into story beats. I think we're going to do this a little bit differently than we did Iron Man. Like like I said, we're still kind of like figuring out how we're doing all this, um, but we want it to be as conversational as possible. We're not trying to give a recap of the entire movie. So before we do any of those things, what did... Okay, scale of one to ten. This is something we wanted to do on Iron Man and we completely forgot to do. How would you rate this movie? Or would you prefer to do like a Rotten Tomatoes score? Um, Which would be 1 to 100%. How would you score this? Let's do 1 to 100%. Okay. I think, I mean, it's so good. Yeah. I, I'd give it like a 89. Ooh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, really? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say 89, but I'll say 89 and a half just since you okay. said 89. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, yeah, I really like this movie, too. One of my favorites. I think it's my favorite out of the series. What would you say? I agree, yeah. Yeah. Um, who was your favorite character in the movie? Oh, I don't know. I really, I'm, I mean, on, honestly, I feel like it's cliche to say, but Jack Sparrow. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's most people's favorite. Yeah, I just. He I is mean, not my favorite. Really? Yeah. I just, I just really enjoy how they, how they made his character because, I mean. He's a pirate, so, like, you're supposed to not like him, but he has this, like, way of just, I mean, like, even at the very beginning, like, he has this, I don't even know how to explain it. You just like him, like, as an audience, and like I said, he's a pirate, so you shouldn't because he's a criminal, but um, just, like, they automatically make you like him because of his wit, like, in the 
beginning with the guards when he's trying to steal the boat and then also like with him saving Elizabeth and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say he's probably my second favorite character, mm-hmm. um, which I think it goes without saying. Obviously, like we already said, like I don't think we would have a Pirates of the Caribbean series or franchise without Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Um, he's what made those movies great. But at least for this movie, he is not my favorite character. Can you guess who my favorite character is? Is it Barbosa? Yes. It is 100% <laughs> Captain Barbosa. And I know that he's the movie's bad guy and whatever, but he, uh, he's a good guy in later movies, or I guess a relative good guy because he's a pirate. But, <laughs> um, but yes, Captain Barbosa is 100% my favorite character in the movie. And I would attribute all of that to Jeffrey Rush's performance. I mean, just a standout performance, uh, similar to how Johnny Depp did a phenomenal job, um, but they're playing two different characters. Johnny Depp's character is a super intelligent, super um, witty, um, and comedic character, while Barbosa is a really cunning and serious, um, I don't know what other words I'd use to describe him, but it's just... I think there's a lot of sadness that his character carries as well that mm-hmm. it that Jeffrey Rush conveys throughout the movie really, really well. Um, and I don't know. There's just something about him. He He's a standout character in the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I'll let you just take the lead. What do you want to talk about? Parts that you liked or parts that you disliked? Either or just go for it. Um, well, I don't really know that I had a ton that I didn't like. And if I did, I didn't write any down. Yeah, I don't think I wrote anything down that I didn't like. Let's do parts we liked. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, I mean, I just wrote, like, scenes down. Is that what you did? More or less. Okay, so, um, I honestly really like the opening scene itself. Just, like, Mm -hmm. the, just kind of showing how Elizabeth Swan is curious and fascinated with pirates. Um, yeah, you're talking about when she's like a little kid, right? The very opening yes. scene, yeah, yeah, uh huh. And I mean, I also like how they kind of continued that when it flashes forward to her as um, grown, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my first one in the movie that I really enjoyed. Yeah, um, one of the major, uh, I don't know what you'd say, credits or like like one of the things I'd praise the movie for is that pretty much every scene in the movie tells a story. Mm-hmm. Like, just like you said, so we have the opening scene. We have Elizabeth as a young girl who's, um, she's actually singing a pirate song mm-hmm. on the water. And that's when Mr. Gibbs comes up and is like, you know, it's bad luck to be singing that. Don't be doing that. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, then we get a young Will Turner that washes up. Um, but, that's like the primary thread that's going on there is that Elizabeth has some sort of curiosity about pirates mm-hmm. and that we get introduced to basically a boy that was, uh, he was on a boat that was destroyed and at least Mr. Gibbs assumes that it was from pirates mm-hmm. and that's it. That's like what we know that, uh, that's the important things to take away from that scene. Mm-hmm. But the subtext, like in like Mr. Gibbs, we learn that he's like very superstitious in, you know, it's bad luck to be singing those songs out here on the seas. And uh, then like 
through the acting, like the young Elizabeth Swan pulls the uh, um, the necklace, the Aztec gold, mm-hmm. pulls that off of Will while he's asleep, but it doesn't stop there. She hides it and doesn't let him know that he took it or that she took it. And, you know, as far as we know, Will doesn't even know that he had it. Um, and she keeps that a secret as we learn further in the movie. So just in that regard, like there's more going on than just the dialogue. Right. Then there's even more going on than just like the actions. There's a lot of setup pretty much in every single scene. And there's I wouldn't say really any throwaway details. Mm-hmm. Things that happen in the movie that are uh, minor, it, like when they happen, are brought back up and um, they play a major role. So, yeah. right. It. They do a good job of like piquing the viewer's curiosity, I think, and just like really getting you in it at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What was your next part that you really liked? Um, okay. So one thing that is huge, skipping forward here a little bit. Um, well, actually, I'll backtrack. I don't have it written down, but I know it and... uh I want to cover it. So when we first get introduced to Jack Sparrow, Mm -hmm. that is one of my favorite scenes in most, like just movies in general. Mm -hmm. Um, For one reason, it, I mean, it tells us everything we need to know about Jack and his character in general, Um, but it does it in such like a way that, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but what, what I like about it is that it shows us everything. It's not telling us the stuff about Jack. Show, don't tell. It's going to be a running theme in every movie because that's how you should write a movie. Mm-hmm. It shows us what we need to know about Jack. Um, but it's also super cool to see um, things that we learn about his character later in the movie, like that he clearly doesn't know what he's doing. He's just kind of reacting in a smart way to situations and he's doing it convincingly. But like in this opening scene, Jack comes in with all that heroic, noble music playing and he's on this boat and then it pans out and the boat's sinking. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, he kind of gets a bucket and starts throwing water out, whatever. But then as it continues on, it the boat sinks exactly as he's landing at the dock so that he can walk straight off the bird's nest onto the dock without missing a beat Mm -hmm. as if Jack planned that. Right. But he didn't plan that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just things like that. Like, that's everything you need to know about Jack. That he's, uh, well, also on that scene, as he passes the rock that has the skeletons hanging, um, and it has a sign like, ye be warned, and it has, it says something about pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes off his hat, and he puts it on his chest. Um, you know, showing that, yeah, he's a pirate, and he's not a good guy, so to speak, because he's a criminal. But he has respect for his brothers, you know, the other pirates. He values them in their lives and is willing to show that respect. Right. Um, so, yeah. After that, I'm moving forward a little bit. Um, Jack is at um, Port Royal and Elizabeth faints because of the uh, corset mm-hmm. that her father bought her. Um, she ends up fainting, falling into the water. Um, Jack jumps into the water, rescues her, rips the corset off. But when Elizabeth falls into the water, one thing I love here, because the filmmakers did not have to do this, but they did it anyways. Um, when she falls in the water, the, her, the necklace, the Aztec gold that she's wearing, you see like a, a shock wave, I guess, like a big yeah. 
you see like two ripples in the water and it's not just like tiny, like they're massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that is telling us, we learn later in the film that what the was doing was the Aztec gold was calling to the pirates, but it really, um, it kind of alleviates the movie of being criticized for a plot hole. Right. You know, so it's like, okay, Elizabeth has had this Aztec gold for uh, 10 years, I think they say. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's had it for 10 years and it calls to the pirates. Why did they never come and get it before? Right. Well, they don't come and get it before because it didn't enter the water. Once it entered the water, that shockwave when- went out. It called to the pirates. So it's something that most filmmakers overlook. And that's why a lot of movies, like you can Google, like, let's say the movie is Iron Man, Iron Man plot holes. And there are websites just dedicated to tearing apart movies and why the movie stinks because it has XYZ plot hole. Not saying that Iron Man has a bunch of plot holes. I don't think it does, but just for instance. Um, So I thought that was really cool that they give that explanation. Um, and then Jack gets her up on the, uh, gets her up out of the water, rips her corset off. And then Jack takes note of the necklace that she's wearing. He says, where did you find that? Or where did you get that? Something like that. And so then again, we recognize that, Hey, this is like important. This is really (laughs) important. This has some sort of significance and Jack is directly connected to it. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what'd you have? That's what I'm looking for right now. I'm trying to figure out where I'm at. Um, So I guess the next thing, kind of going off of that, it's fasting forward quite a bit. Okay. So sorry if I skip over some of your parts. But kind of going off of how important the medallion is, like we're Uh still, as we watch, the viewer is still trying to figure out like, okay, what, why is this important? What does this have to do with anything? Right. Um, When Elizabeth is taken by the pirates so to fill you guys in i mean like the pirates come to the city ravaging and trying to figure out i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah go ahead um i have a scene before that okay i'll come back to it then yeah so um prior to that we pick up on a character beat for mr will turner um so we were introduced to him earlier on um but what i wrote down uh was that when Jack is almost captured by those guards after saving Elizabeth and he runs away, he goes into this, the blacksmith uh, workshop and he runs into the will and they have a major sword fight and they're kind of going back and forth. And that scene is like a masterclass on um, telling story like through subtext. Um, there's all kinds of YouTube videos dedicated to why that scene is great. And also fun fact, Johnny and Will did the majority of their stunts in that scene. Um, They did have doubles, but they did a lot of the sword fighting and everything else. And actually, um, one of the stunt coordinators for that movie said that Will Turner was um, one of the best actors with sword fighting skills that he's ever worked with. Orlando Bloom. What did I say? Will Turner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Orlando Bloom. Um, So anyways... The scene that I'm talking specifically about is when they're fighting and they're having some witty banter back and forth. Um, Johnny is like, he tells him like, you need to get a girl, man. Cause 
will say in how he makes each sword. He practices with each sword for an hour a day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he says, I practice uh, with them so that when I meet a pirate, I can kill it. Notice that he says, kill it rather than him. Um, will has such a disdain for pirates and everything that they do that he won't even give them the courtesy of calling them like a, a he or, or she. He will only refer to a pirate as it. Um, so another important character detail there that Will hates pirates, and that'll come into play for some other important story beats. Mm-hmm. But Kind of yeah. going off of that, I actually did skip ahead a little bit earlier because um, I also liked in that scene when Jack ends up pulling a gun on Will. And, oh, yeah, this is great. And says... Like, you can just tell, like, he really doesn't want to shoot him because he says, move, and Will doesn't. And he says, please move, like, sincerely. Yeah. And, and he, then he says... And he reluctantly pulls uh, the... Co- he cocks the gun. Right. Yeah. But he, you can tell he really doesn't want to shoot him. And then he says, this shot isn't meant for you. Exactly. So, again, like, as the viewer, like, I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, what does that mean? You know, who right. does he want that shot to be for? So that was really interesting, too. Yeah. Great, great way to incorporate that story detail without um, demeaning the audience with just, like, telling them. Right. You know? Yeah. Something I love about this movie is just that I kind of have to figure things out as I go. Yeah. So, and you need to pay attention because right. pretty much every detail is important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you want me to go to my fact from before now? Um, let's see. Yes. Okay. Wait. No, sorry. No, <laughs> I have one scene that leads directly into that scene. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so where we're at in the movie is that um, Jack Sparrow had captured Elizabeth Swan. Mm -hmm. trying to escape then he escaped and then had to fight will turner and then was later captured by the authorities Mm -hmm. so now jack is in prison Uh, elizabeth is okay you know jack didn't do anything let her go and um elizabeth is in her room and her i like servant hand or i I don't know what you'd call her her handmaid Mm -hmm. um she comes in to basically you know Make sure she's taken care of for the night. And she says, difficult day you've had. (laughs) And Elizabeth says, oh, yes, I wasn't expecting the Commodore to propose. And completely leaving out the fact that she almost died. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That she was held hostage by a pirate. And the handmaid's like, oh, I meant the pirate. (laughs) And Elizabeth says, oh, yes, terrible. Like, she leaves this big pause. She's very reluctant. You can tell that, like, um, she really maybe liked the sense of adventure that the being captured by a pirate brought. And just the idea that, like, um, her colonial life maybe isn't what she likes. And those, those are important character-building details for the rest of the movie. But it's very subtle there. And honestly... I didn't even notice until we watched it this week for research, mm-hmm. um, but just an important character detail right there. I think it also alludes to how much she really doesn't want to marry the Commodore, too. Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. So um, fast forwarding a bit, um, Elizabeth does end up getting captured by Barbosa's crew, 
because the pirates did get that signal in the water. And so now they're looking for that. What would you call it? Medallion kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a coin that's been made into a medallion. Yeah. So, yeah, the all the pirates show up at Port, Port Royal and uh, but they're not skeletons because the clouds are covering the moonlight. Mm-hmm. Um, so to the audience's knowledge, these are just bad guy pirates. Right. Um, they show up and they do capture Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. But one important detail that I wrote down in that is that she knows Parlay. Yes. Why would she know Parlay? Has to be her fascination with pirates. Exactly. It, that's the only explanation is that she knows pirate history, pirate code. I mean, she even starts reciting the history to Barbosa once um, she is captured on the Black Pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just another subtle detail that the character of Elizabeth um, is just fascinated with pirates and, um, you know, she's taken time to familiar- familiarize herself with them. Yeah. So when she's on the boat, um, Barbosa and the rest of the crew is trying to get that medallion from her. And mm-hmm. then she kind of tries to trick them a little bit. She takes it off and she says, because they're acting like it's not of any importance, but they, she can kind of tell that they want, they want it. Mm-hmm. So she says, okay, well, if it's not that important, I'm just going to get rid of it then. So she holds it over the boat, the side of the boat, and they're kind of acting all nonchalant, like, oh, like, yeah, you can drop it, whatever. Um, but then she lets it slip just a little bit. And then that's when they all, like, start to kind of freak out. Mm-hmm. So that's when she knows, oh, okay, so the, this is what you want. Yeah. And then the viewers, again, get that sense of, okay, this is important. What, what does this do? What is yeah. so Majorly significant because the bad guys were freaked out. Yeah. And then Captain Barbosa asks her, he says, what is your name? Yes. And that's another thing where I was like, why does that matter? And so she says, Elizabeth hesitates a little bit and then Turner. Yes. So then you can kind of see on the pirates faces, Turner. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, I, no, I'm just agreeing with you oh, okay. that, yeah, like she's important. And I don't know if it's in this scene or if it's later, but someone says she's of the right age. Yes. Um. So obviously like the medallion and is someone of that age range with the last name Turner is what they're looking for. Right. Um. I think it's hilarious that she does like the total like grade school elementary thing of like, oh, she has... Uh, she's in love with Will Turner so much that she's going to lie about her last name. Yeah. Um, uh, it's kind of funny, but it plays an important part in the movie. Yeah. So kind of fast forwarding a little bit more. So I'm sorry again if I skip over some things, but kind of to that effect with Turner being an important name mm-hmm. later on when um, Johnny is in jail. Yeah, that's actually the next uh, note that I have. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So Johnny's in jail and Will is willing to take, uh, or no, sorry. Will is willing to free Johnny from prison if he will help him save Elizabeth. Yeah. And Johnny isn't really willing to help him until he hears Will's last name too. Yeah. And I don't, I should have wrote what the setup was, but... um. Johnny subtly asks about his father. I think, um, I think 
he says something to the effect of Will, I assume that's short for William and Right. Will says named after your father. Yeah, and Will says, Yeah, and then uh Jack says like, Oh, I presume named after your father. Mm-hmm. And he s- says something like, yeah. And he kind of gives him a look like, what are you on about? Mm-hmm. You know? And so, but that's when Jack takes interest is when he learns that his father's name is William Turner and that he is his son. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Uh, so Will breaks him out of prison and um, we have a few fun scenes of Jack outsmarting the Royal Navy. They steal a ship. And they're off to Tortuga. Right. Um, do you have a, any notes leading up to that? So this is kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but we kind of get the answer to our question about who is Will Turner's dad. We find out that he was a pirate um, on the Black Pearl. So his name was or his nickname was Bootstrap Bill. And back at the beginning of the movie, when young Will has that medallion or coin or whatever on his chest Mm -hmm. bootstrap actually purposefully sent that with will because Mm -hmm. he thought that the other pirates deserved to be cursed for what they did to jack a long time ago and also for going against the code and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah um i don't remember where exactly where that's at and where we learn all that but i know there's a story beat earlier where like jack kind of confronts will about his dad um or actually i think will confronts jack he's like what do you know about my father after they steal the interceptor and uh he tells him that he was a pirate and will gets really upset and Mm -hmm. that's when he says you can either accept that your father was a good man and a pirate or you can't and blah 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 and it causes a fight but um anyways yeah so um the next thing that i have written down is when they get to tortuga um Jack finds Mr. Gibbs. They go to a bar and they're talking. And Will wasn't supposed to be able to hear Jack, but he's kind of overhearing. He's like eavesdropping, listening. Um, and Jack tells Gibbs that Will is Bootstrap's son mm-hmm. and that he's going to use him as leverage, um, basically to get the Black Pearl back. Mm-hmm. Um, but Will overhears this. Right. And so then we see a lot of the movie play out based on those themes, just that Will has no trust for Jack um, because he knows he's basically working to serve himself um, and so on and so forth. So go ahead. I was just going to say that it's kind of like throughout the movie, there's a theme of we trust Jack, we don't trust Jack, and it like goes back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I think the movie does a good job of conveying kind of the feeling that Will has um, about Jack to the audience. Uh, Now, if you've already seen the movie, like you don't feel that. But upon a first viewing, um, that's kind of the feeling that you get is, should I trust Jack? Should I not? I don't know. Um, And I think the the movie does a really good job. Um, Okay. Well, I don't have a whole lot of other notes. the next scene I have is when Elizabeth is invited to dine with Barbosa. Do you have anything before that? No. Okay, cool. So um, we're taken back to the Black Pearl, and Elizabeth is on the ship. Um, two pirates come and give her a dress and says that, you know, the captain's asking for her to dine with him. So she puts the dress on, goes down, and we have this really almost uncomfortable scene 
where Elizabeth is eating and um, Barbosa just keeps pushing food on her, you know, is like, and he's intently watching her. Um, now, before you learn anything about the curse, I think you would just assume that like he has nefarious intentions, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. That's pretty much what everybody would assume about pirates. And they kind of allude to that later in the movie at different parts. Um, but that's actually not the case here. And shortly after, um, you know, she kind of has this back and forth with Barbosa. She actually pulls out, pulls a knife on him, stabs him in the heart, and he does nothing. He just looks at her and pulls the knife out. And then this is when we get the big reveal. She stumbles out of the doors and sees all the pirates are skeletons. Mm-hmm. Um, so she kind of, there's like a big sequence where she's kind of, falling on different parts of the ship and uh, like a swinging pirate or skeleton whatever a cursed crew member like catches her and then drops her back off in front of barbosa and then this is when uh captain barbosa and jeffrey rush delivers a phenomenal standout speech and honestly i think it's part of the reason why i like his character so much is because we learn what the motives of uh the bad bad guy pirates, the pirates of the Black Pearl, we learn what their motives are. And it's actually um, very reasonable motives why they're doing everything. So we learn that they took the Aztec gold, that there is a curse, and, you know, I'm not going to do any of this justice, and that's why I didn't write the whole speech down, but um, that's when Barbosa basically says, he says, um, you know, I drink and it won't satisfy. Food turns to ash in my stomach. For too long, I've been parched of thirst and unable to quench it. Uh, For too long, I've been starving to death and I haven't died. I feel nothing. I don't feel the cool air or the sun on my skin, you know, Mm -hmm. saying all this stuff, which I mean, it's just like this great character moment where we learn their motivation is that they just want to be humans again. Mm -hmm. that's that's the only thing they want. That's why they're doing all this stuff. Now they're not doing it by good means. That's why they're the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of it's a reasonable thing for them to be wanting to do. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, um, that was the one of the late the last major plot points that I have written down. Yeah. Um. Side note about that scene. Um. Kind of on topic. Kind of not. The for being twenty years ago, the CGI I think was really impressive. Oh, it was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. ILM did an amazing job um, of doing convincing visual effects. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, you can watch plenty of old movies with CGI that just don't hold up. They look terrible. And if you wanted to be like hypercritical of this movie, I guess you could say that. But in reality, I don't feel like there's any scene where the cursed pirates are in where I feel like, oh, that looks terrible or like it takes me out of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. They did an amazing job on this. um, And that's that's why they're the gold standard in the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I only have a couple more points too. Um, just another scene that I liked was fast forwarding quite a bit, actually, when they return to Tortuga and um, we find out that, you know, before this, Elizabeth was not the person that they needed to break the curse. And so they bring Will back. And um, then we know that 
stolen treasure is why they're cursed. So Jack secretly yeah. sneaks a little coin in his sleeve. Yeah, he does a little bit of sleight of hand. Yes. Yeah. So that he's now cursed, but he uses this to his advantage later on when Barbosa tries to kill him mm-hmm. and realizes that, oh, I can't kill him because he's cursed too now. Yeah. Well, and what Jack is doing and why he did that was just to buy them time because he, as Jack always does, weaves a plan together on, you know, the spur of the moment. He's kind of figuring things out as he goes. Um, He's able to get the Royal Navy to take him and Elizabeth to where the pirates are, Isla de Muerta, um, where all the cursed Aztec gold is. And then Jack's able to weave this plan out of thin air where he deceives the pirates into going and um, killing all the Navy. And meanwhile, Jack palms a coin so that he can be cursed and take as much time as he needs to get those pirates away, far enough away that they won't come back. Um, And then, you know... Everything starts going. He fights Barbosa. Will and Elizabeth are fighting together, all these other pirates. And uh, we find out that Jack is cursed. And yeah, he does it in a brilliant way. I love it. And I only have one more thing written down. Uh, do you have anything else? Um, the next thing that I just had was that continuing on with Jack's master plan, um, Will breaks the curse right as soon as. Jack shoots Barbosa. Yes, so that leads perfectly into my final point. Great. Yeah, so Jack tosses the coin to Will. Will catches it. Um, they both have their blood on it. They drop it in there, and uh, it, uh, you know, the the curse is lifted. But right as Jack is about to, um, or right as Will is about to drop the coins, Barbosa has his pistol pointed at Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and then we hear a gunshot. Audience is led to believe that Elizabeth got shot. Mm-hmm. But then it, this, the camera pans over to Jack. His gun is smoking. And Barbosa is basically like, you carry that pistol around for 10 years and you waste your shot. And then Will says he didn't waste his shot. He drops the coins. Curse is lifted. And then uh, camera pans back to Barbosa and we see him open his, chir- uh, his shirt and he has a bullet hole. Blood starts pouring out. Mm-hmm. And this is when a callback to earlier, there's almost a sense of relief in Barbosa's face. Mm-hmm. But he says, I feel. And he pauses before he says his feeling, but he says, I feel. You know, the humanizing him again. The curse has been lifted. He can feel. You see that he finally gets what he's been longing for. And then he says, cold. Mm-hmm. Falls to the ground dead. Yeah. 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 So the last point that I have is again fast forwarding to where Jack is captured and sentenced to death and so he is getting ready to be hanged um but then Will steps in at the last second literally and yeah. saves him so basically they they put the noose around Jack's neck they drop him and right before it catches him Will throws his sword right underneath Jack so he has a little bit of yeah. inability to balance until yeah. he's able to get off later. But Yeah. You have anything else? Not really, no. 
Okay, cool. I didn't have anything else either. Um, on that note, like I, I intentionally didn't include any of these details, but what you were talking about there where Will throws the sword um, parallels earlier in the movie where Will throws the sword to lock the door to prevent right. Jack to get out. This movie, if you watch it, grab a notebook if you're interested and write down scenes that are like important scenes. And chances are throughout the movie, those callbacks, there will be callbacks and parallels like this movie is loaded with parallelism. Um, So on that note, fun fact, as we're wrapping up this episode um, early in the movie, when Jack and Will go to steal a boat. They get like a little canoe and flip it upside down and they're walking on the ocean floor, but they're able to have air because the air is trapped in the boat and whatnot. Um, That is paralleled later in the movie when the pirates are walking on the ocean floor. But the reason I bring that up is because that scene specifically where Will and Jack are carrying the boat underwater was tested on Mythbusters. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't you know it? That is absolutely impossible. (laughs) Um, So they tested it under, you know, the theory that like, could you actually hold a boat underwater like that, be able to breathe and walk? Um, Theoretically, you could if you were like the Hulk. Um, But the problem is, is that between the water pressure and air wanting to escape and because air always will take the well energy in general wants to take the path of least resistance. And in this case, that would be up to get to other air. Um, The air that's trapped under that boat, there would be so much pressure that if you were like magically teleported onto the ocean floor while holding a boat, uh, your arms would be ripped off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just a little fun fact there. The Mythbusters tested that. It's absolutely impossible, but we don't care about that. This is just a fun movie. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Awesome. Well, that's episode two. Thank you guys so much for joining us and for listening. Um, You can look forward to next week's episode. We're going to be covering two movies, actually. Jurassic Park versus Jurassic World. Yep. So we're super excited about that. We're going to be, it'll be structured a little bit different because we'll be comparing them. Um, But you can look forward to that. Um, If you liked what you heard, let us know. We're going to keep figuring this out as we go. So if you have feedback, suggestions, leave a comment, send us a message, whatever. Um, But thanks for listening. Bye, guys. See you next time.